0: Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. Well, good morning, church. Last time I preached here was a while back, and I remember the only place I had to look was straight ahead to the camera, and there were like three people behind. But now I get a chance to work my neck muscles, look from side to side. And see so many of you here. Yes, good morning. And this morning, we're going to talk about growing in prayer. I'm, my name is Johnny Wu. I serve as an elder here at City of Refuge Church. And I'm going to pick up from Acts, Acts 2, where we've been talking. And in Acts 2, 42, we saw the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. We studied this for the the past few weeks, and we were given this picture of this early church. And one of the things that was noted about this early church was their devotion to prayer. This morning, we're going to talk about prayer. What what is prayer, first of all? Well, prayer can be understood as communication with God. We can pray out loud or silently. We can pray privately or with others. It can be formal or informal. And because prayer is communication, It also involves listening, right? This morning, I want to bring you a message on how we can grow in prayer at City of Refuge Church. And I want to thank the prayer team uh, for helping with this message, and also the preaching team uh, for for helping me with wisdom and insight in preparing. One of the most familiar verses on prayer uh, is is from 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. This verse reminds us that we are never really praying enough, right? In fact, I think talking about prayer can sometimes make us feel guilty or or inadequate. And that's where I want to start this morning. If we're struggling with this feeling as we talk about prayer, I want you to look past me. Look past me to, to the cross up here on the stage. Let us take a moment now to remind us that our righteousness is not in prayer or our prayer lives, but it's in Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection. But prayer is a gift for us. Sometimes praying without seizing is easier, but other times it's more difficult. In times when we're needy or in desperation, it's more natural to pray without seizing. I think we've seen this in the past year and a half with the global pandemic, with tragedies, with, with our election, the loss of loved ones, not having a senior pastor, not having Nikki anymore, and other staff. This season, we've actually experienced renewed prayer at City of Refuge Church. And some I know at this church have wept over that. When our prayer team looked back at 2020, we realized that we actually, as a church, met for organized prayer more than 180 times over the year. It's a mind-boggling number. It's averaging almost every other day. And others were praying in, in other forms of meetings. So this is not about us ourselves patting us on the back, but just recognizing and giving thanks for what God is doing among us. But I want to highlight an area that we can grow in prayer uh, personally and at City of Refuge Church. And that's to pray when we don't feel as needy. When our prayer team and the preaching team discussed how we, how we can grow in prayer at, at our church, we really converged on one thing. And that one thing is to pray because we understand this utter need to pray. That prayer is not just a nice addition to our spiritual lives, but it's something essential. And yes, maybe a greater theological understanding of prayer can help, but there's just something in prayer That is simply an honest and desperate act of dependency upon the Lord. And there's a slide on that. Prayer opposes our delusion of self-dependency. We need prayer so much. We need the Lord so much. And church, today my goal is to remind us of this gift of prayer. The challenges before us and how we desperately need to pray. And help us remember, I'm going to use an acronym today, uh, PRAY. P-R-A-Y. The P in prayer, I want to mention the word precious. Prayer is is a precious, precious privilege. Amen? Amen. In in Hebrews 4.16, God calls us to to confidently draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. To, To come and draw near to him. He's inviting us to come to him in prayer. He's he's saying, don't just come, but come confidently. Come to my throne. Come to the Holy of Holies. Come at any time. He loves to have this conversation with us. And God has chosen to act through our prayers. We're reminded in James 5.17 that Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And I want to emphasize here, Elijah was a man just like us. Sometimes we lose sight of what a privileged prayer is. And sometimes it takes those who don't have this privilege to remind us. I was re- reminded of, of this time when I was working during my postdoc and I had a colleague. We're, were Those of you, I know there's some of you here in research, you know that we use computer programs that are... That are not many people use, and they always have problems, and we're always making new code, and, and that's what we were doing at the time. And we had just received word that the university was going to shut down the power in half an hour. And we we're wrestling with this code, and, and the code was at a point where if we didn't do something, if we couldn't get past this bug, we we're going to lose a week's worth of work because we couldn't save it by the nature of this system we were using. We we're desperate, working, working, And all of a sudden, I I just felt like, let's be a bit bold here and pray. And I asked my colleague, said, hey, can we just stop and pray for a moment? And we prayed. I said, Lord, please help us. We don't know what to do. Power is about to shut down. And it was like what you would imagine in a movie. Right away, something came. And it's not a movie. It's reality. Something came to mind. We went to this line of code, fixed something. It worked. It output all the stuff we needed, and within a few minutes, lights turned off. We're like, oh my, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And at, at this point, I looked at my, co- my colleague, and his jaw was on the floor. Okay? And at first, I thought he was amazed, and he was amazed. He was like, what just happened here? But there was more than amazement. As I looked more, and as I understood more, and and looking back at that, because I got to know him better, he was not just amazed. He was pretty angry and resentful at me. He was angry and resentful. That that jaw drop was partly anger and resentment. And it was that thought of, you've had this all along. (laughs) We are working together. We are kind of competing, but we are kind of working together. You've had this connection all along. You didn't tell me about it. What is going on here? Prayer is precious. And Andrew Murray, in the book With Christ in the School of Prayer, he writes the following prayer. He says, Lord, you have again flung the gates of prayer so wide, so wide open and given us such promises as to our liberty in prayer that we blush. Our poor hearts have taken so little in. It has been too much for us to believe. Isn't that true? This privilege that we have of prayer, of coming to the Holy of Holies in time of need, confidently, is such a precious thing. The R in prayer, next slide, is for reality. And I'm being very careful here not to use the word spiritual reality, because that might make it seem like it's not really reality, it's something else, but Prayer brings us to a reality. And in prayer, prayer is hard because we enter a reality that we cannot taste, we cannot touch, we cannot smell, or often even hear. When we pray, we are forced to have faith that we are talking to our invisible and immortal God. And prayer is a place where the physical meets the spiritual world. We can see this just from the first line of the Lord's Prayer that we sung, our Father in heaven. As soon as we, we pray our Father in heaven, it's that we on earth are entering into this reality that we can't see. We're, 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 heaven is touching, or earth is touching heaven. We are reaching out to heaven at that time. There's this whole reality that, that is, is, is around us, but we're not interacting with it, and prayer brings us to this reality. And it's not—we're not just called to be aware of the spiritual realm, but to fix our eyes on it. 2 Corinthians four eighteen tells us we fix our eyes on not, not not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Within the spiritual realm, there is a great battle too. Ephesians six twelve reminds us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Prayer opens this reality to us. As you know, our church has been involved with this outreach with Agape Ministries to turn an old motel in the third ward into a temporary shelter. And a brother who helped paint this motel room, he humbly mentioned afterwards that It's probably true that other organizations besides the church can come and paint too. And I wasn't there, but he said they might have even done a better job than us. Don't know if that's true. Other organizations can paint, but it's only the church that is called to pray. It's only the church that's given this privilege and reality of prayer. And it is only God who can overcome the dark powers and spiritual forces of wickedness he moves in response to our prayers. So here's a question that's not rhetorical. Do we desire things that God can only do? No. Do we desire things that only God can do? Yes. No, actually, do we desire things that only God can do? Yeah. <laughs> yes. We need to pray. We need to pray. We know the Lord has sent us to fulfill what's called the Great Commission. It's not the any commission. It's the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, Matthew 28. That's a great commission. That's a challenging commission. To add to that, our church's mission is unity in the church in the midst of diversity. So even just unity in the church, That's kind of a great commission, right, from what we know of churches? And then in the midst of diversity, I mean, brothers and sisters, this is a very, very difficult calling before us. Great commission and unity in the church in the midst of diversity. And the struggle isn't even against each other. It's not against flesh and blood. In 1 Peter, we are reminded that we are to be sober-minded, to be watchful, because you're... I always struggle with this. Where your, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But we're told that these heavenly powers, these spiritual forces of darkness, the devil, is like a roaring lion, lion seeking to devour. On the other hand, when we are depicted in the Bible, we're not seen as lions, right? We're seen as sheep. Prayer helps us to remember this reality. When we come to God as sheep, we realize that we are not self-sufficient. We are not independent. We need to rely on God. We need to pray. The next slide. And so this reality of the spiritual battle I want to give you the pun that pray, P-R-E-Y, need to pray. Pray need to pray. We are not lions. And here comes the good news. The A in pray is to ask. In the Gospels, Jesus spent quite a bit of time preaching on prayer. And many of his teachings were about asking, just telling us to ask. Ask boldly, ask persistently, ask shamelessly. Be impolite. Knock on my door at midnight. The parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18:1. The introduction to that parable is: Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So let's look at our key verse this morning from Matthew 7:7 7, 7 to 11. And I want to ask us to read this together. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. For which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask? First of all, this is an amazing set of promises. And for those of us who have young children... Asking is very natural, right? <laughs> we can learn a lot from young children. Now notice I didn't say older children here because older children also ask, but they'll come with you with I need eight breads, four fishes, oh, throw in a few, and, and you know they know how to ask even better, but young children, we can learn a lot from them. But here we're told, if we ask for bread, if we ask the Lord, we will receive. Ask for bread, you're not going to get a stone. read further into this ask for a stone you're probably going to get bread you're going to get something because it says at the end that the Lord gives good things to those who ask him right ask for you ask for a serpent you probably get a fish but how about those who ask nothing if we review this passage we'll see that there's actually nothing available to those who do not ask. Even if we ask the wrong thing, our Father in heaven is more than delighted to give good gifts to us. There's nothing in these set of promises for those who do not ask. And I believe that's why Jesus spent so much time telling us, ask, ask boldly, bother me. I want to be bothered. From the the millennials among us, I've learned this word, FOMO. F-O-M-O, I believe, stands for fear of missing out. So there is FOMO in prayer. This is teaching us we need to ask. If we want to grow in prayer, we need to learn to ask. Ask often. Ask boldly. Jesus taught us to ask because when we ask, this is the type of faith that pleases God. And when God provides the bread and fish, He is glorified. When we ask and he gives us bread and fish, he is glorified. A few weeks ago, um, Elder Lionel preached and discouraged us against praying for parking spots. And I agree with him. I agree with Elder Lionel. Because he was talking about insincere prayers for small things. But I'm going to encourage you to earnestly pray for parking spots. Now, I wasn't expecting laughter there, because I'm being serious. I'm being serious here. Earnestly pray for parking spots. Learn to ask regularly for small but real needs in your life. When you see answers to these prayers, it will build your faith. It will build your prayer life and help you to have faith for bigger things. One example of this is you know that before we came to Houston, we lived in Asia, and in Asia, our kids were a lot younger, and I would often try to give Michelle a break by taking the two young children who were, who were under four at the time with me out for a meal. And one of the best places in, in, in Asia to eat is actually at a shopping mall food court. Some of you in Asia are nodding and seeing that, so take them there. Now the problem is that you get great food there, but there's only limited places to sit. And so what you have is this area of tables People are eating, and then all around it, you have people kind of watching, watching for a place to sit because they're looking for their next place. It's almost like, like the pool of Siloam. It's like the waters are swirling, and whoever gets in there first gets healed. It's, people are gathered all around. Now, you can imagine me with a stroller and another young child and also a plate of hot hot soup and noodles in one hand, And by the way, it's really hard to push a stroller with one hand, at least the stroller we had. So we were at a serious disadvantage when this pool of Siloam was swirling. I learned a lot about prayer for parking spots then. And it wasn't just me. I would get with the kids, and this was out of desperation. It wasn't that I was holier than anyone else here. I'm sure you would have done the same thing. If you can imagine the situation, we'd say, Lord, give us somewhere to eat. And I learned from that that the Lord answers prayers for parking spaces. There would be places opening up, places opening up here, opening up there. When when we asked, we saw the Lord provide these these small prayers for real needs. And one time, you know, when I looked around, it wasn't that I was even the most needy person. I saw other people with kids. I saw older people. And one time, I, I was kind of embarrassed that we got a place we just arrived at that ring and, and then of people looking for a place to sit and we, got a, and we prayed and we got a place and I said, Lord, how is, this, how is this fair? And what I heard from the Lord is, you're the only person who asked. How often is this true? You are the only person who asked. So learn to ask. And a piece of practical advice that I can pass on that was passed on to me, keep a prayer journal. You'll see how faithful the Lord is in both small and big things. May it never be said of us that in James 4 2, that you have not because you ask not. And over time, I'm confident the Lord will show us and you how to ask for things that are pleasing to Him, more pleasing, and not with selfish motives. Because the next verse, James 4 3, tells us that you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So God will show us how to ask more and more according to his will. But we can't learn these things until we just simply start to ask. Asking is our expression of complete and utter reliance on him. Church, I really want to emphasize this point, that we are under asking in prayer. We need to ask more often, more boldly. And specifically here at this point in the message, I'm reminded that We have many here who are serving our communities. And this church has been known as one who has reached out to our communities. Some of us here are serving at places like Agape and The Forge and just in our neighborhoods. The Lord calls himself the Lord of the harvest. And again, the word ask comes in that verse. Ask for the Lord of harvest to to send more workers. There is a harvest out there. We need to ask. Finally, the why in prayer is a relatively new word for me, <laughs> y'all. Okay, after I got to Texas, I realized that I was missing a very important word in my vocabulary <laughs> because I realized that in English, the word you, when I said you do it, it could mean you, Brandon, or all all you in that pod, or all of you. But when you say y'all, there's no question that y'all is everyone here, right? Did I get that right? And if you really want to just press down on that, you go, all y'all, okay? So the why in prayer is for y'all. Okay, prayer is for every single, is for y'all, is for every single person here, amen? There, there is no spiritual gift of prayer. Prayer is intergenerational. Prayer is cross cultural. Prayer is multilingual. Prayers for rich and for poor. Prayers for men, for women. Prayers even for Democrats and Republicans. All y'all are called to prayer. And we're called to pray a lot. We're called to pray without ceasing. Yeah, hold on, excuse me. I'm going <laughs> to thank you, Lord, for, for, for your salvation. But City of Refuge has been a wonderful place to experience prayer. The diversity that we have in our church fellowship allows us to have a richness of prayer that, uh, that I've never experienced. We have many expressions of prayer here at this church, from, from Catholic to brethren to Pentecostal backgrounds and everything in between. We have people who bring <clears throat> expressions of prayer from other countries like Latin America, Asia, Africa, and and. Young and old have joined our prayer meetings, excuse me. But in spite of this positive light that I'm placing on prayer, I'm also aware that, that some of us have felt disappointed in prayer, at unanswered prayers. And I want to speak to that briefly this morning, that these disappointments can indeed keep us from growing in prayer. I want to acknowledge that these feelings of disappointment are real. And we may still be grieving over some of these disappointments, We might not be and maybe feel like we never will get to the place of Job who lost all his children and property and declared, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And to this, these disappointments, I really have no easy answers to offer except that God's ways are a mystery and these sad events are also an invitation to pray. These sad events are an invitation to come to the Lord in honest, honest prayer. That God welcomes us to bring these disappointments to him. This type of prayer is called lament. It's found throughout the scriptures, both in the Old and New Testament. When we look at the Psalms, 64 of the 150 Psalms are called laments. So the Lord is no stranger to disappointments and and, and invites us to come to him. Psalm 10 is an excellent example of a lament, where the psalmist says, why, O Lord, do you stand so far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Why do the wicked prosper? In church, I want you to hold on to this hope that we have in Christ. We're told that hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We need to cling to this hope as we pray Because we're not yet at Revelation 21, the new heavens and new earth. This is a place described as where the dwelling of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. We are not yet there, church. One day, there will no longer be a need for prayer. But for now, the former things have not yet passed away. That's another reason why we need to cling to the Lord in prayer. As we end, I want to tell you about an upcoming 21 days of prayer and fasting that we're organizing for the church. I think there's a slide on this. And it's going to be between um, August 9th to 29th. Um, During these days, we'll have Zoom prayer meetings at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. And just to provide more times that we can be available to pray, um, except on Sundays when we meet meet at 9 a.m. for these 21 days of prayer, we invite you to fast, if you can, to, to devote yourself more fully to the Lord. Following tradition... Fasting can be from food, for example, skipping a meal to focus on the Lord, to consecrate oneself to the Lord. But alternatively, you could instead consider fasting from something that you want to do without to focus on the Lord, such as social media, Netflix, maybe reading the news, chocolate, those kind of things. During these 21 days of prayer, you're welcome to join meetings when you are available. Some will join once in a while. Others may join every day. Some may follow the entire 21 days. But try to join as much as you can because prayer has been compared to a muscle. The constant flexing of prayer leads to growth. And we understand that Sometimes when we gather to pray, the the concept of free prayer, where we we simply speak out what we want to pray, can be less familiar or or even intimidating to some. So this year we want to make it more uh, more welcoming for everyone to join in prayer. So we're going to include some liturgical structure, like the prayer we're about to say together in a moment. So I want to invite, invite you to that. Knowing that church... We are entering a pretty important time. We have many needs. We're in a critical phase of our pastoral search. School is about to start for many families and students. The continuing global pandemic, troubling world events like some of the things that Deborah brought up this morning during worship, and so much more. Let us continue in prayer. Let us continue in this thing that is so precious, that brings us to to a true reality, a place where we are are invited to ask confidently and something that is for y'all, for all y'all. So to end, let us pray together. We've prepared a responsive prayer here. And I will ask that we we will say these words together. Um, as we pray this morning, Father, we confess our own lack of faith in prayer. We confess we have trusted in our own ingenuity, the security and power of wealth, technology, skill, and beauty, instead of turning to you in prayer. We have taken your good gifts and relied upon them instead of having faith in you. We have prayed but our lives have not been devoted to prayer. We confess our sloth in prayer, our lack of faith in prayer, our lack of consistency in prayer, and our lack of prayer for each other. We confess that we have been far quicker to complain about our ills, both personal and societal, than to come to you in prayer. Teach us, Lord, to pray. Amen.